Welcome back to Investigate Joe Rogan, the podcast where I fact check and investigate things that have been said on the Joe Rogan experience. Today I'm looking at episode 1684 with Abby Martin. There was a lot of stuff she said in this episode that's kind of true but exaggerated. That's going to be a common recurring theme. The first thing I'll talk about though is something she said that is just straight up not true. She says that Hamas wants a two-state solution right now, and I couldn't find any statements from Hamas to support this. The only thing I could find on the two-state solution was Hamad al-Zahar's statements. He is a Hamas leader, and in May he said that, quote, this land is not suitable for a two-state solution. It's either or. Either the occupation remains forever an option that has become completely inconceivable, or this occupation will be removed and each Israeli will go his own way. And this guy has been against the two-state solution for a while now. In 2010, he said, quote, Our ultimate plan is to have Palestine in its entirety. I say this loud and clear so that nobody will accuse me of employing political tactics. We will not recognize the Israeli enemy. This is just one Hamas leader, and there could be others who do want a two-state solution, but I could not find any statements from them if there are any. Hamas isn't unified around a two-state solution at the very least, and a two-state solution sounds nice, but the problem with it is that neither of the two states want to be in a two-state solution, which is a bit of a problem. At one point, she also says that American groups are sending people to go squat in Palestinian houses with guns and just kick people out. And I don't even know where she's getting this. I couldn't find anything about that. I don't know who these American groups are. She doesn't name any. I don't really know what she's talking about. But they don't just talk about Israel, although obviously this is Abby Martin's biggest concern. Later in the episode, she talks about pollution after they mostly move on from Israel. And she says that even if we stopped pretty much all other CO2 emissions, factories, cars, etc., the military, she says, pollutes enough to destroy the planet on their own. And this is definitely not true. In a paper called Hidden Carbon Costs of the Everywhere War, Logistics, Geopolitical Ecology, and the Carbon Bootprint of the U.S. Military, some scientists concluded that if the military was a country it would be the 47th biggest emitter of greenhouse gases in the world, right between Peru and Portugal. So saying that if we fixed everything else except the military's CO2 emissions, saying that if we accomplished this, nothing would happen is just absurd. It's like saying if every single country went carbon neutral except Peru, we would be totally screwed. We wouldn't be screwed at all. That would be be totally amazing. Now you might be thinking, well, maybe she's exaggerating, but 47th is still pretty bad. Yes, it is definitely bad, and they're a massive polluter. But you can't just make up crazy stuff because you're right in general. If you exaggerate your claims, people might dismiss you entirely, and then your whole point will be lost, even if it's a valid point. Kind of like how people always point to the fact that Al Gore was wrong about us living underwater and turning into mermaids or whatever, and people just use that to dismiss climate change entirely. Similarly, the things she says about Camp Lejeune and Coldwater Creek are mostly correct but heavily exaggerated. Camp Lejeune was a military base, and Coldwater Creek uh, is an area that the military uh, heavily polluted. 
Yes, the military polluted the water at both of these places, but it didn't kill tens of thousands of people like she said it did. There is no official death toll for either because it's difficult to keep track of. If someone who drank contaminated water at Camp Lejeune when they were a Marine in the 80s gets cancer 30 years later, how do you know if it was because of the water? Cancer is the second leading cause of death in America, so lots of people just get cancer. Well, you can't know for sure, but there have been studies that show there have certainly been long-lasting effects because of this pollution. A mortality study looked at 8,964 people who have died and who lived at Camp Lejeune from 1975 to 1985, and they showed that they had a 10% higher risk of getting cancer. So people have definitely died as a result of this pollution, but not tens of thousands. There's even less information about Coldwater Creek. However, there's an Associated Press article that says a volunteer group has contacted 6,000 former and current residents who had cancer diagnoses. There's no information about how many can actually be linked back to the creek, though. Again, just like with the carbon emissions, she's generally right, but is also wildly exaggerating. Ideally, of course, you wouldn't want the military poisoning any water. I think that would, that would be the best situation. Personally, I usually just drink non-polluted water. Later, her and Rogan say that the government are watching text messages to look for COVID misinformation, but this is not at all what is happening. What's happening is private groups are basically asking SMS carriers to stop misinformation somehow. These groups can't actually see any of the texts. They have no way of doing that, but they are trying to pressure these companies into somehow uh, curbing this misinformation. So these liberal activists are basically asking these carriers to stop people like Turning Point USA, who have sent out mass text messages that say, quote, Biden is sending goons door to door to make you take a COVID-19 vaccine. Sign the petition to no medical raids in America. <laughs> which, is, which is really funny to me because it makes me imagine some paranoid boomer somewhere getting this text in the middle of the night and they just start sweating because they, they think like a SWAT team is about to show up at their house. I mean, technically it's not funny that this is going on, uh, you know, that people think this, but it is pretty funny at the same time. On another surveillance-related topic, Rogan says that the government has satellites that can read license plates from space, which is not true. First of all, cameras that powerful don't exist yet. And second, license plates are vertical, so they couldn't be read from directly above anyway. Go stand on top of your car and try to read your own license plate right now. You can't. Later, Abby says that Associated Press fired Emily Wilder because she was in a pro-Palestine club when she was in college. Um, but this isn't true. She actually got fired because she was tweeting all these pro-Palestine statements while she was working at AP. And to quote AP, AP prohibits employees from openly expressing their opinions on political matters and other public issues for fear that could damage the news organization's reputation for objectivity and jeopardize as many reporters around the world. So if anything, I would say this is a, a positive thing. This is probably a good rule for a news agency to have. At another point in this episode, Abby says that she doesn't even believe in objective journalism. 
And it's true that you're never going to be able to be a totally unbiased robot who has no opinions on anything and everything is 100% objective. But personally, I'm glad that there are people like AP who at least make some sort of effort to try and be objective. And I'm glad we don't live in a world where all journalists are like Abby Martin who just have an obvious agenda and don't even attempt (laughs) to even pretend like they're being objective. Another smaller incorrect thing she said is that student loan debt goes to your next of kin if you die. This is not true. It's just not how debt works. If you die with federal student loan debt, it just goes away. And if you die with private student loan debt, if there were co-signers, your co-signers might have to pay it off. And your estate might have to pay it off if you even have an estate, although that's probably not going to be relevant in too many of these situations. But it it can't just randomly go to people you're genetically related to. Banks don't run off of like blood packs. (laughs) If some bank is calling you, trying to get you to pay for your your brother's debts and you're not a cosigner or anything, this is a scam. Do not listen to Abby Martin. That is not a real thing that can happen. Towards the end of the podcast, they start talking about A. Lamau's. And I was surprised to hear that Abby is a full-on A. Lamau believer. I'm not going to go over all the stuff she brings up because I've already talked about it in my episode on Jacques Vallée and James Fox and my two episodes on George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell. The Zimbabwe sightings in particular I talk about pretty in-depth in my Jacques Vallée episode. I will say, though, that like Rogan, she clearly hasn't listened to any of the actual interviews with the kids. She also says a few things about aliens that are pretty funny. She suggests that instead of aliens, these alien sightings could be the result of a DMT weapon that you can use on someone to cause them to hallucinate aliens, which is somehow an even worse explanation. She also says that this could all be a government conspiracy to justify the existence of Space Force, as if the government is going to come out at some point and say that they are preparing for a fight with aliens, and that people would somehow be more receptive to this than just saying, yeah, we're going to have part of the Air Force be in space now because of, you know, battling Russia or whatever. Personally, I hope that this is the explanation, because it would be really funny to watch a press conference where Joe Biden comes out and talks about shooting aliens and putting guns on spaceships. Abby also says that Chris Carter, the creator of X-Files, has claimed that the government was feeding him material for the show, and I could not find any such statement from him, nor could I find anyone else on the internet saying that he has said this. There's so little about this that I think it's possible she made this up on the spot, actually. Another funny thing is that she actually brings up the fact that despite everyone now walking around with HD cameras in their pockets, all footage of Alamau's is still blurry, grainy videos. However, she does not see this as evidence against aliens. She sees this as evidence of a government conspiracy to cover up aliens. Because, of course, we would have good footage by now if they weren't covering it up, because everyone has cameras. This, perhaps more than anything else she says in the whole episode, 
in my opinion, reveals a deep misunderstanding of how logic works. One of the last things she says at the very end of the podcast is that one way we could stop the military-industrial complex and stop Israel and save the environment, etc., would be to get rid of nuclear families. She doesn't elaborate on this idea, um, but I think possibly she's slightly confused and thinks that nuclear families emit nuclear radiation, which would contribute to pollution and be bad. If I could just say a few sort of meta things about Abby Martin in general, I do think that I've narrowed things down to two possibilities. Either one, she is a genuine authoritarian who wants the government to run everything, and that's why she bends over backwards to defend Russia and China in this episode. Or two, she has simply become so blinded by her intense hatred of America and Israel And that's why she will defend Russia and China so much. I think this second option is probably the case. Yes, the military-industrial complex is bad, imperialism is bad, Israel is bad, etc. But if you become so focused on these things and so blinded by your hatred that you start to genuinely defend Russia and China, who are arguably the only two countries whose human rights track records are even worse than America and Israel, I think you need to pump the brakes. It's time to it's time to take a step back and think about what you're saying. She defends China so hard that she even says she would rather live under a Chinese-style 1984-tier government surveillance state than have Google manipulate search results. This is despite claiming to be a, quote, free speech absolutist. To me, this was the strangest thing she said, since her entire career is being a journalist who criticizes the government heavily. This is a career with a very short lifespan in China, as you might imagine. I I appreciated, however, that when she says this, Rogan points out that you don't have to use Google, (laughs) which uh, which would really solve her whole problem. And as much as I appreciated this comment of Rogan's, there's something I want to say about a Rogan rant that comes up a lot and is in this episode. Rogan is always saying how the Alamaus could be time travelers and there's nothing wrong with putting a microchip in your brain, having the internet in your mind, um, because we're going to turn into gray Alamaus, etc. And the great irony of this is that Rogan is perhaps the world's most popular critic of how the internet and social media specifically are moderated. A significant amount of JRE, literally a major percent of it, is just him and the guest complaining about how Twitter is moderated. Rogan never shuts up about how information technology is not being moderated properly. And yet, he is apparently totally fine with his very own thoughts and beliefs being moderated by technology in his own brain with a microchip. He apparently has faith that this would be moderated well. It is truly baffling to me that he thinks this, and I do not understand why he does not see this contradiction. Anyway, I've gotten a bit off topic here at the end, but I feel these are some meta comments that are worth making. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to tell your friends about Investigate Joe Rogan. Can't let them... uh, live in ignorance and be incorrect about random facts 
and I will see you next episode.